six minutes what exactly happened out there uh i just didn't have him ready to play over the last 48 um, hours yeah just i just didn't have him ready to play i should have uh whatever it was whether it was a starting lineup whether it was an adjustment just i have to get them in a better place ready to play and that's on me well, 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 look who is back again. I promise I will never leave you guys again. There's been so much going on. Welcome to Power Hour with Free Royal. I, of course, am Free Royal. I will be your host for today and always as we travel through this world of sports news and sports opinions and sports takes and everything in between. Man, oh man, it has been a long time. I think the last episode I did was sometime in March, shortly after my birthday, Wow, we've had the NFL draft, we've had the playoffs play itself out all the way down to the conference finals, we've had the draft lottery for the NBA, we've had so much happen, we've had John Morant get bashed by everybody on social media, even though they truly don't give a shit about what he does with guns, we'll get into that another day, I don't want to touch on anything too, too negative pertaining to off the court stuff. But there's a lot of negative shit I can talk about as far as on-the-court stuff with the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll get to that in a second. I do want to address at the top, if you are on YouTube, I know you are seeing a stripped-down version of the podcast as as compared to what you are usually seeing. And that is because I want more continuity. I want things more streamlined as far as the content that I release. So on Spotify and other apps that don't have video, you know, they're missing out a lot on graphics and things that I put up on YouTube, which I think isn't really fair. Um, In the future, I will be on screen, which will just be a formality that they'll have to deal with, unfortunately, if they're not watching on YouTube. But for now, while I'm not on camera and I'm still working some things out, I do want to sort of streamline it and it will just be my voice on YouTube because with YouTube premium, a lot of people listen to podcasts and stuff like this without watching the video anyway. So that's just a small change to the podcast. In the meantime, let's get into what we're talking about today. We are basically talking about the NBA playoffs for the entirety of this episode. There's a lot I want to go over. There's some X's and O's I want to go over. There's some firings that happen following some losses in the NBA playoffs. I want to address all of that stuff. Um, I do also want to remind you to, if you have not already, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. really helps me a lot. And... Yeah, share it with your friends. I want to get more viewers here. I want to get more conversation in the comments section. And yeah, man, I want to get this thing popping so we can get this to more ears and as many ears and eyes as possible. Let's get into the NBA playoffs. Where should we start? Um, I don't want to go through every round of the playoffs, every series, obviously, but just some overall takeaways. I think people have really overstated, and I've said this a lot, I think people have really overstated the lack of defense in the NBA. Um, There has been a lot of great defense in the playoffs. Individual defense, team defense, there's been a lot of great defense being played. There's way more effort in the playoffs, but we knew this already. The complaints about Defensive effort, defensive proficiency, defensive ability 
all of those complaints have been overstated. And I think people are seeing now in the playoffs that when these players are playing at the highest level, some brilliant basketball is going to be on your TV screen. Um, That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is there's a lot of people saying that seeding does not matter. I'm here to tell you you're fucking wrong. Um, Regardless of you know, where we are right now in the Western Eastern Conference Finals, especially the Eastern Conference Finals, to say that seeding doesn't matter is absolutely ridiculous. The run that Miami has had to go on as a result of their lackluster regular season, not many teams would go on this running. Quite frankly, if Giannis didn't get injured in the first series, we might be talking about Miami being home right now. It's not to take anything away from Miami's run. It's been a great run specifically by Jimmy Butler. But at the same time, to say seeding doesn't matter is craziness to me. Just look at, you know, just look at the second round matchup that the Phoenix Suns ended up getting as a result of their seeding. They had to face the number one seed. They made that trade at the trade deadline. They couldn't get themselves back up to the second, third seed. They had to face the first seed in the second round after beating a team, quite frankly, that was beaten and battered with no Kawhi Leonard and no Paul George. Seeding absolutely positively matters. And obviously it's discretionary. So, I mean, if you have a situation where your team just simply is not as good as other teams, when you get in the playoffs, you're going to have an issue because there's no next... You know, there's no switch for you to flip. You are who you are. You make it in the playoffs, you hope for the best. You play to the best of your ability and live with the results. At the same time, if you're a team like like Phoenix, right? If you're a team like Miami that had some injury issues, but more importantly, just underperformed, then you can get to the playoffs and kind of look at it as, a well, we don't really need to be the number one seed. We don't need to be the number two seed. We can turn it up at the right time and go on a run. And that's what Miami's doing. And quite frankly, that's what the Lakers did prior to this, uh, prior to this round. They went on a run because their roster was good enough and they were just getting things right as far as their lineups. And quite frankly, I don't know how they fucked that up in this series, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, But yeah, if you're a team that, you know, added new pieces and needed to integrate them, a bit better before the regular season ended, then for you, seeding doesn't really matter as much. At the same time, that can't be said for all teams. Denver was fairly healthy this year. I'm pretty sure they appreciate having that number one seed. Can't tell me they don't. Especially if LA wins tonight, as it stands, this podcast is being recorded on May 22nd. So if Denver loses tonight, and they got to go back to Denver, they get two of the last three in Denver, that's a home court advantage. Seeding absolutely matters. People were saying that, you're fucking ridiculous. You're, You're overreacting to one fucking playoffs. The third thing is, and I've said this for a while, there are not as many great coaches in the league as y'all are willing to believe. There just aren't. There are some good coaches 
But to me, if you're going to be a great coach, you have to be great at three things. You have to be great at lineups. You have to be great at adjustments. And you have to be great at having your team ready to play from a mental standpoint. If you can't manage personalities, if you can't manage issues in the locker room, then to me, you're not a great coach. Managing lineups, knowing what lineups will match what the other team is trying to do or cancel out what the other team is trying to do based on your lineups. For example, having Jared Vanderbilt guard Murray rather than having inferior defenders guard Murray. Um, You know, game time situations, late game situations. A lot of teams, or I should say a lot of coaches, suck at that. Managing timeouts. Out-of-bounds plays at the end of games. Clock management. There are a lot of people throwing the word great around. Great, 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 great. Oh, these guys are great. They're not fucking great. Monty Williams is not a great coach. Monty Williams, in my opinion, did deserve to be fired. Monty Williams did a terrible job of handling the DeAndre Ayton situation last playoffs. Now you have a situation where, and I'm not going to get into this whole thing because I have a video about this, which is why I'm not surprised by any of this Phoenix shit because I have a video about it. Predicted this happening. Monty Williams did not handle DeAndre Ayton as far as giving him consistent touches, which should have been his reward for being third and fourth fiddle on his team and defending the best bigs in the league nightly and rebounding and running the floor. He didn't give him consistent touches until it was too late. So these great coaches that you're talking about that somehow let their teams get blown out in back-to-back closeout games, great coach based on what? Monty Williams is a good coach. He's not a great coach. Mike Budenholzer. Mike Budenholzer is another guy that fails at making adjustments within the uh, within the course of the series. He's shown that the past couple years. Before that, he seemed to be better at making adjustments within, you know, a playoff series. Also, his team was at full strength at that point. Middleton was hurt pretty much all year. I think Drew got hurt a little bit this year. Giannis got hurt in their series against Miami. It's kind of unfair for me to assess Mike Budenholzer as a coach in the grand scheme of things. But I can understand why losing to an eight seed in the first round of the playoffs would get him fired. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse has been doing more with less. If you want to talk about a great coach, Nick Nurse has been doing more with less with the Toronto Raptors for a while now. And yes, I know people are going to talk about, oh, he's been living off of that ring with Kawhi. Yeah, but that team was never this stacked-ass team that everybody made it out to be in the first place. Fred Van Fleet is a top five to seven point guard in the league. Yes. Pascal Siakam, seems like he can't stay on the court. Scotty Barnes, they drafted him. He's a stud. Outside of that, Toronto really doesn't have much. OG Ananobi is a 3 and D guy. 
Gary Trent is a 3 and D guy. Preston Chichanwa is a rim protector. Boucher is pretty much a rim protector. So, like, they had these guys in the past, and they have Boucher, um, you know, they, they have some pieces that would work on a championship team, but they don't have a championship roster as a whole. They don't have a superstar. So, Nick Nurse has been doing more with less in an Eastern Conference that has gotten significantly better. He's been doing more with less for the past few years. I don't agree with Nick Nurse getting fired, but I understand why. It was probably more of a mutual thing. I think he wanted to move on. Okay, so that's that situation. Now, don't get me started on fucking Doc Rivers, okay? There there are people out here, you know, 90% of people realize, I know that's a bullshit percentage, but whatever. I'm coming up with 90%. That's what I'm saying. 90% 90% of people can understand why Doc Rivers got fired. Most people can understand why I would not consider Doc Rivers a great coach. You want to talk about a guy that refuses to make adjustments to what the team that his team is playing against um, th- th- when they're making adjustments on the other side after getting down 3-1? And he just pretends like they can continue to play the same game. That's him. He's a guy that doesn't know how to manage his lineups. He's a guy that doesn't know how to manage his roster. We're talking about a guy that wanted to give Tyrese Maxey this bullshit-ass pep talk at the beginning of the year about, oh, you got to get your touches. You got to get the ball. You got to be aggressive. Who do we see with the ball all the time? James fucking Harden. And I'm going to get on James Harden in a second. But for now, let's talk about Doc Rivers' fraud ass. So, you're telling me that this so-called great coach couldn't figure out that they were allowing James Harden to get to the front of, basically right in front of the rim, and he wasn't willing to shoot, maybe to take the ball out of his hands and put it in Tyrese Maxey's hands more? Because they were basically setting a trap for James Harden, knowing you wouldn't shoot the ball at the rim. They were playing trail on him and playing a crazy-ass drop with the center or whoever was involved as a hedge man in the pick and roll. You're telling me he couldn't figure that out? You're telling me he couldn't figure out that James Harden wasn't going to be the one to lead them to the promised land in that series? Oh, he had a couple of hot games where he shot great from three-point range. Big fucking deal. He can't get past people on the perimeter anymore he can't take advantage of mismatches anymore he was unwilling to shoot the ball at the basket which is ironic because didn't philly fans shit including doc rivers shit on ben simmons for not shooting at the basket on one fucking play that they blame the entire series loss on yet james harden wouldn't shoot at the rim Y'all are the same people. Oh, it's not going to happen with James Harden. Oh, I'm so glad we have James Harden here. Uh, yeah, okay. Doc Rivers, everywhere he goes, he blows series leads, and then he blames the team before them. So all during this series, he wouldn't adjust to what Boston was doing defensively or offensively. I guarantee you, on a podcast in the next five years, you will hear him fucking throw James Harden under the bus, 
even though Embiid is a supporter of his, do uh, you know, according to reports, you're gonna see him throw Embiid under the bus, just like he did the Clippers during a clip from a podcast this year, where he threw them under the bus back when he coached them and they blew a three-one lead. That's what he is. He's a guy that can't take accountability for the fact he's a fraud-ass coach. He's not that great. He had three Hall of Famers and a fucking point guard that was a prodigy that could police themselves on the court. So he never had to do it. And they stocked that bench with fucking veterans that also could police themselves. That is why people perceive Doc Rivers as a great coach. He is not a great coach. He is a decent coach. You could even call him a good coach during the regular season. When you get into a seven-game series with this man, do not fucking trust him. Period. I'm tired of the whining about coaches getting fired. There aren't that many great coaches in the league. Most of the great coaches are employed. They're not losing their jobs. That's because y'all throw the word great around too much. I'm sorry to go on a rant about this, but I hate when people throw these buzzwords out and they end up not meaning anything. Doc Rivers is not a great coach. Monty Williams is not a great coach. I don't care what people who have friendships with them try to tell you. They're not. We've seen it over and over again. Like I listed before, late game situations, lineups, in-series slash in-game adjustments. If you can't manage those things, if you suck at any of those things, you're not a great coach. Moving on, let's talk about James Harden real quick. James Harden, people talk shit to me about calling James Harden a coach killer. What about now? How do you feel about that now? We got to go back to Kevin McHale. We got to go back to that situation where he acted like a petulant child because God forbid Kevin McHale wanted him to move the ball and not run pick and roll every play. Got him fired. And you can call it a speculation all you want to. I'm sorry. Things turn from a coincidence into a track record real quick with me. He got Kevin McHale fired in my opinion. He bitched about the offensive system in Brooklyn. And regardless of what happened in Brooklyn as a whole, James Harden bitched about the offensive system in Brooklyn. He was the one that went public with that. Steve Nash gets fired. Now he's on Philly. He bitches about the offensive system and basically, you know, once again whines about how he's being used. Despite the... the, God, I just had a fucking stroke. Despite the fact that he had the ball in his hands the whole fucking time he was there. He's whining about that offensive system. Doc Rivers gets fired. Why every time James Harden is on a team that disappoints in the playoffs, somehow conveniently with Daryl Morey as the GM outside of Brooklyn, Two out of three times, coaches get fired. When he goes public with his fucking gripes about, 
Oh, God, woe is me having the ball in my hands the whole fucking game. Was it Doc Rivers' fault that you weren't shooting the ball at the rim? No, it was his fault for not changing the game plan based on how they were playing you in pick and roll. It was not his fault that you weren't shooting the ball at the fucking rim. You were not paid to lead the league in assists. You were paid to be the second option to a fucking MVP. By the way, shout out to Joel Embiid winning MVP this year. Much deserved. I'm tired of hearing about this. Joker deserved it. Shut the fuck up. You were paid to be the second option on a so-called title contender. You wouldn't shoot the ball at the rim. You were right in front of the rim. You wouldn't shoot it. That's not Doc Rivers' fault. That's your fault. The fuck you have a problem with the offensive system as if you didn't have the ball in your hands every play. The fuck is that? Everywhere he goes, he has an issue. Everywhere he goes. Y'all want to talk about Kyrie Irving, right? Y'all want to talk about Kyrie Irving having an issue everywhere he goes. Really? Y'all want to talk about James Harden? Because Kyrie wanted a team of, of his own, so he left Cleveland. And when he got ran out of town by the young boys in Boston, he left and he went to Brooklyn. And then a fucking national disaster fucking international disaster a pandemic happens and then you want to bash him for that so you claim Kyrie's a problem everywhere he ain't getting coaches fired you know who is James fucking Harden it's time for y'all to face facts about James Harden it's it's time for y'all to face the fucking music about James Harden He is not the third greatest shooting guard of all time. He is not the greatest scorer of all time. He is not an all-time great player. He is a great player for his era. There's nothing transcendent that he's done with his teammates or in the playoffs. He hasn't made a finals as the best player. And you criticize other people for doing it. Or for not doing it, I should say. You you criticize Chris Paul for not making it to an NBA Finals as the best player. You criticize Melo for not making it far in the playoffs. But James Harden continues to get coaches fired, and y'all just don't, you know, you you say nothing about it. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's great he's going back to Houston. Yeah, whatever. Let's talk about this playoffs as a whole. Um... I was impressed by what the Lakers were doing first two rounds. Defensively, they really stepped it up when they needed to. They made things a bit harder on themselves with poor offensive possessions, and obviously they're getting burnt with Denver right now. Um, But defensively, their defense owned the day in both of those two series. In Memphis, when it came down to it, they kept guys in check. They they let Ja get his to a certain extent, one of those games. But for the most part, they kept him in check. Jaron Jackson, they kept in check. He really kept himself in check with his effort level, in my opinion, but it's a different story. Um, offensively, AD's not getting enough early, deep post touches. They pushed his touches out 
too far from the paint, which is a big issue. And when they've gotten away from that, when they've gotten away from getting him these early paint touches, post touches, duck-ins, rim runs, those sorts of things. And part of that is on him, but when, when they've gotten away from that, they haven't won. Their transition defense, mostly in the secondary fast break, is terrible. They don't wall up. They don't match up. They don't create a wall to keep guys out of the paint. They give up open threes. They really just run down the court and, or I should say, they trot down the court and position themselves where they really can't defend anybody. They can't defend shooters. They can't defend guys, you know, filling the lanes. They give up too many easy buckets in secondary fast break, and Denver's one of the best teams in the secondary fast break in the league. Um, I have an issue with LeBron's threes, and it's less about how many he's taken. It's more about the timing of them. He took some really bad fourth quarter threes in that game, too. And they basically operated as live ball turnovers. So, basically his threes early in the shot clock, bad shots, contested threes, they ended up being fast break starters for Denver. Um, My criticism for Darvin Ham, I said it beginning of the podcast. You should have Vanderbilt guarding Murray. You should be switching players in and out based on the matchup that you have for Murray. And it should be Vanderbilt. I like what they're doing as far as doubling Joker from different spots on the court. But Murray's getting way too free off these off-ball screens Way too free off of these on-ball, you know, PNRs. He just, he's getting way too much space. And he's really good in pick and roll, but even then it's like, you have to bring extra help to him in those first three quarters to stop him from getting off like that. These are things that I just don't like that Darvin Ham is doing. You have to be better than that, schematically. I mean, Joker did not play a good game in Game 3, and it didn't really matter in the end. Because in the fourth quarter, he started to get going. By that point, they they started to kind of give more attention to Jamal Murray, but by then it's like, bro, you should have had Vanderbilt on him from the start. Why are you playing D'Angelo Russell so much when he hasn't played well this series, hasn't shot well this series? Getting him the ball in the pinch post isn't really working. And quite frankly, he's taking a lot of selfish shots. The body language of his teammates, you can tell they feel the same way about him taking some very selfish shots. Some, oh, I'm not touching the ball offensively, so I need to take this shot type shots. Coming down the court in transition and posting up from the three-point line and taking a step back on an island with nobody back to rebound, those are bad shots. 
those are shots clearly that he's trying to get himself going when really we should be worried about having good offensive possessions. And when we're getting out and running, we should be looking for shooters because that's when LA is best. When they get out and run, when they fill the lanes, when they get the ball at the backboard and they run teams out the building. And yes, Denver runs too, but LA can run and they've shown that they can run on this team off of missed baskets. Can LA win tonight? Of course they can win tonight. They have to get back to all the things I talked about. Deep post touches for AD. He had 40 game one. Get him the ball early and often. Stop taking bad threes early in the shot clock. Stop having offense that is so stagnant, no off-ball movement. You know, it's a lot of Reeves pick and roll and, you know, shooters aren't, you know, shooters aren't going back door. You know, they're just staying in the corner. So because their offense is so stagnant, Denver really doesn't have to move as a defense because nobody's moving off ball. LeBron high screen and roll isn't really working. Maybe you need to get him in the post more. There's a lot of things they could do offensively, defensively. In the secondary fast break, you run back. You don't trot back. You don't jog back. You get back. You create a wall. You get out to shooters. And you protect the lane. And you stop the ball, most importantly, over half court. Right over the half court line. You stop the ball. These are all fundamental things. It shouldn't be hard. That's the issue. And I don't know if Darvin Ham is stressing these things. But right now, if he is, it's not working. And his lineups aren't working. Get Vanderbilt in there to guard Murray. Match their lineups with your lineups. I mean, God, I'm not an NBA coach, but fuck. Like, you can see the shit right in front of you. It's frustrating to sit and, and watch this. D'Angelo Russell just killing the team with his minutes. So that's that series. Let's talk about this Boston series. Boston is down just like LA is 3-0. And this is a situation. I have such a rant to go on about this. I'm going to try to not keep it too long but this honestly might be the rest of the podcast because i have a serious 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 issue with this situation and i had a serious 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 situation uh god i keep i have a serious issue with this situation i'm so mad i can't even talk ime udoka The first year Ime Udoka was the head coach of the Boston Celtics, they made it to the finals. They made it over the hump they could not get over, the conference finals. They made it to the finals. And regardless of what we want to say about Ime deciding to run drop coverage on Stephen Curry and get him going in that game three or game four, whichever one it was, against Golden State, fine. I get it. They got to the fucking finals. They were battle-tested. They faced adversity. But they didn't face adversity like this against the fucking Atlanta Hawks. Why are these guys not showing up to play? I know why. Because they have a substitute teacher as a fucking head coach. He just said it last night. And if you go look on my Twitter, at WankmanSkip, you will see several times. If you type in at WankmanSkip, Substitute teacher, guess who's popping up with that? Joe Missoula. 
Now, I know a lot of people don't understand the substitute teacher comparison. So I'll explain it to you. This is the substitute teacher analogy. For those of y'all who weren't homeschooled, most people. When you had a substitute teacher. And your real teacher wasn't there. How many of you started to relax? How many of you weren't as focused on your schoolwork? How many of you started to joke and play around in class? How many of you weren't on your best behavior? How many of you did not respect the substitute teacher because they weren't your real teacher how many of you scoffed at the substitute teacher trying to demand respect from you now look at the boston Celtics situation what was the issue with brad stevens he didn't command the huddle it's just like in football if the offensive linemen and the receivers and the running backs don't respect the quarterback that is manning the huddle, you have an issue. Joe Missoula is, is not in position. I was about to say something else. Joe Missoula is not in position to hold them accountable. I'm not going to call him what I was going to call him. That's unfair to that man. But at the same time, He's not in a position to hold these guys accountable for not playing defense, to hold them accountable for bad shot selection. You want to know why? Because a lot of these guys had faith in Ime Udoka being their head coach again. They had faith that he would come back and they would finish the business that they had to tend to. Unfinished business in the finals. Tricked off games in the finals you shouldn't have after stealing one in Golden State. They got unfinished business, right? And... Sorry, answer the text. So, being that they felt like they had unfinished business, when Ime Udoka got fired, and I have stats to back this up. You can look this up yourself. I'm not making this up. When Ime Udoka was officially fired and Joe Mazzula was named the permanent head coach of the Boston Celtics, just look at how badly the Boston Celtics record suffered got some stats for you so before the all-star break the Celtics were 42 and 17 pretty sure they at least had a share if not being up a few games on Milwaukee 
February 16th, Joe Missoula is named. This is right around uh, the All-Star break. Joe Missoula is named the permanent head coach of the Boston Celtics. And Ime Udoka is fired. Mind you, when this whole thing started, the players were blindsided. They found out he was suspended on Twitter. Nobody told them anything. The way the Boston Celtics handled this situation was disgusting. The way they tried to twist the narrative about this was disgusting. The fact that we know that Ime has some sort of NDA and he can't talk about it is disgusting. Because they've controlled this narrative the whole time and they leaked some shit out that I can guarantee you was not true and there was a stigma about that man that followed him throughout all this season. So when they blindsided the players by suspending him and then went and fired him at the All-Star break, what was the Celtics' record after the All-Star break? 15... And eight. So you went from a team that was 28 games over 500 to being seven games over 500 in the second half. Same roster. How does that happen? Because you fired the guy that they were expecting to come back and finish what they started. The guy that demanded the most out of them defensively. That demanded the most out of them offensively. To take good shots. To move the ball. To play with poise. Which is why they could go into Miami in a game seven. And win it last year. And they're stuck with this fucking substitute teacher. This substitute teacher that looks like a deer in the fucking headlights right now. Doesn't he? Every fucking press conference after every game so far, this motherfucker's come to the press conference looking like he can't find his wallet. Confused as fuck. He looks like his girl found nudes in his phone of another bitch. That's how he looks. I don't know how this got there. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how this got there. Yeah. So, how do you expect a team that had a guy that was a hard-ass, tough guy, NBA veteran, how do you expect them to react when you fire that guy and give them a substitute teacher that probably, quite frankly, played good cop more than bad cop when Emei was there? They look at this motherfucker like a friend. They look at this motherfucker like a substitute teacher. You can't convince me that the team from last year would be in this position right now against the Miami Heat. You can't convince me of that. Down 3-0, you drop both games at home? What would a great head coach, an actual great head coach do when Grant Williams started barking at Jimmy Butler and got cooked four plays in a row? Would he not pull Grant Williams? Off of Jimmy Butler after the first possession? Would he not see that Grant Williams was talking shit to Jimmy Butler, who was relatively quiet all game, and pull him off of him? He wouldn't? You're fucking lying to yourself. 
if you say that Grant Williams wasn't a big part of what lost in that game? How does Jason Tatum not make a field goal in the fourth quarter in several games? Matter of fact, what did they say? In the entire playoffs he hasn't made, or in this series he hasn't made a single field goal in the fourth quarter? And in one of these games against Philly, last series, he didn't have a single attempt? That's coaching. That's coaching. That's what that is. You motherfuckers throw the word great around too much. Because I remember when Doc Rivers was making Kawhi Leonard look like a fucking fraud. And Kawhi Leonard was going scoreless in fourth quarters in a bubble against Denver. Joe Mazzulla looks like a deer in the headlights right now. He doesn't know what to do, what adjustments to make. I'm telling you what adjustments to make. Get a coach in there that they respect. They got one in there that they respected. And they went to the fucking finals. This is why I get on people for bashing Kyrie for leaving Boston. These young boys think they know everything. He gets injured in a fucking series and they go a playoffs and lose to LeBron in game seven basically by himself and they thought they had everything figured out. This is who they are. So when you take guys, especially that core of Smart, Tatum, and Brown, and you put them in playoff situations where they feel like they're policing themselves with Brad Stevens there, and you replace that with somebody like Eme that does sort of, you know, give them that fucking poise in the playoffs and a calming presence while he's there. And then you bring Joe Missoula in and elevate him to head coach. What do you expect? They're going to revert back to the same shit they were doing. It was only a year with Eme Udoka. I told y'all this was going to be a rant. This is fucking terrible. And look, I have to take some blame for this. I was like, oh, they're going to run through the regular season. And for the most part, in the first half, they fucking did. Then they fired Ime Udoka. There's something about the finality of firing him after not telling them personally that he was suspended. To the point Joe Mazzulla saw they were taking it so hard that he said, I need these players to know they can come and talk to me. I know what they're dealing with right now, and it's hard. You got players congratulating him openly about getting the job on the Houston Rockets. They're not ashamed to support their former coach because they know what he meant to that fucking team. And you can't convince me based on the talent level between these two teams that Boston should be down three zip right now. These Miami fans are having a fucking pep rally. And they should. But don't get don't get it twisted, Miami. Y'all are playing well above your means right now. What Jalen Brown said was right. You know what the difference is? He shouldn't fucking be saying that. I can say that. I'm not playing. I'm not the one that hasn't made a three. That's his ass. Shooting two for whatever the fuck he's shooting from three this series. 
So, where do we go from here? This is the last little topic I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to spend very long on this. But I'm going to be brutally honest with y'all. If the Miami Heat face the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals, I don't give a fuck if it's for the purpose of this podcast that I should watch it. I probably will not. I have no interest. Now, you could talk about me not being a basketball purist all the fuck you want to. I would put my basketball knowledge up against anybody on YouTube right now. You can call it cocky. You can call it whatever the fuck you want to. I have no interest in watching that series. I wanted a Boston versus LA Finals. I would accept either team in the finals. And I would watch any series as long as one of those two teams is in the finals. Why? Because it's good for basketball. Because those are two of the most prestigious franchises. The two most prestigious franchises in the history of the league. It's good for basketball. It gets more eyes on the game. You have superstars. You have a budding star in Jason Tatum who, yeah, I mean, a lot of people still don't consider him a superstar. There's there's a story there. There's a Celtics getting back to the finals. Redemption. On the Lakers side, you got LeBron in year 20 trying to get another ring. There's a story there. Miami versus Denver. I don't know what the ratings were for Milwaukee versus Phoenix. These would be even worse ratings. And of course, there are people, oh, you just don't like basketball. You just don't like basketball. Shut the fuck up. I guarantee you, if you motherfuckers saw a Charlotte Hornets and Minnesota Timberwolves game on in the middle of the season on a Tuesday, y'all wouldn't watch that shit either. So don't give me that, you don't like basketball, you like storylines and players. Stupid shit. That's what y'all are saying right now. I do not claim to be a basketball purist anymore because the game is not refereed in the purity of the rules of the game. The game is not played a lot of times due to the refing in the purity and the sanctity of the game. So why the fuck would I be a basketball purist? Why the fuck would I sit down and watch two teams I'm not interested in? I've watched them during the regular season so I could be informed about them, so I can give you an informed informed opinion about them. But I have plenty of other shit I could be doing besides watching an NBA Finals with two teams I don't want to watch. I would wish both of them luck. Have at it. Whoever wins, Merry fucking Christmas. I have no interest. So... I don't know what needs to happen. Well, I pretty much said what needs to happen. For the Lakers and the Celtics to come back, no team has come back from 3-0. LeBron led a team that came back from 3-1. I don't know. You got my favorite player ever in LeBron James. You got the hometown team in Boston. Both them teams look like right now they're going to get booted. Forgive me. If I don't want to watch the finals after that, because quite frankly, I don't give a fuck. As for me, as for this podcast, that is it for today. I know there's a lot of things I didn't cover. I know I didn't talk about the NFL draft. I didn't talk about any type of predictions or projections for this year in the NFL. 
Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. There's a lot of stuff I got to talk about. I promise you I will get to all of it very, very soon. I had to get this podcast out because it's been a while and I want to get back into the swing of things. I got everything figured out that I had to get figured out in my personal life, my professional life. We're back and we're here to stay. So once again, I want to ask you guys to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, obviously if you're listening on YouTube, YouTube, I am on any platform that you go and can type in Power Hour with Free Royal, I'm right there. On Twitter, I am at WankmanSkip, W-A-N-K-M-A-N-Skip, S-K-I-P. On IG, I am Free Royal Power Hour. My music page on Instagram is Free Royal Music. I also have another page where I uploaded on YouTube a CM Punk song that I recorded. For those of you who, for whatever reason, don't know that I do music. Uh, I have a YouTube page, Wankman Skip. There's a song up that's basically a parody song of a Harold and the Blue Notes song, I Miss You. And it's called We Miss You Punk. All of those things you can find simply by searching or I will put the links in the description. Until then, I bid you all farewell. Until next week. I hope you all are productive, safe, have a great weekend, and I'll see you all on the other side. Peace.